Thanks for listening to our messages from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources and information on connecting people to Jesus for life change, visit us online at southbridgefellowship.com. Good morning, Southbridge. Glad you're here this morning. Hopefully you've had a great time interacting with each other already and worshiping Jesus. And uh, this is an exciting time of the week. Amen? All right, the, the preacher this morning told me, the more you amen, the faster he goes, just FYI. So I hope you're ready. Yeah, amen. All right, so you're an elder. You simmer down over there. Yeah. But uh, it's great to be together, worshiping together today. Yesterday we were over at the, the campus on Strickland Road doing a work day. Everybody who came over there to help out, thank you so much uh, for coming over. I cleared out a bunch of the worship center over there so they can do some renovation there and some work. And I just want to share with you, every time we're over there, I get more excited about what God's doing in our church, and I believe is going to happen as we take this next step into the next things that God has for us. Are you excited? Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand for sure. I was telling the first service uh, that, you, you know, some of us, we come to church every week, and you've been doing this maybe since you were, you know, a little kid, and you can forget that when you come in here, God might change somebody's eternity. And in the first service, we had two people raise their hand and acknowledge they trusted Christ as their Savior. So, amen. Yes. And so you don't have any idea what God might have in store for you right now, too, because you might be like, I've already trusted Jesus. Let's just see what happens in somebody else's life. No, no, no. Uh, The Holy Spirit is real personal, by the way. Uh, And so you may pray for some of those that are around you, and and you're going to hear, if you're a guest today, you're going to hear at the end of the service about a little card for you to fill out and take it out to the orange tent that's in there. Also, if you fill out that card, uh, we make a donation to a ministry called Women at Risk International that rescues people out of human trafficking, so you have an opportunity to make a difference today. If you're a guest, you fill that card out, take it out to the tent, that'd be awesome. But I want to introduce you to, I'm looking forward to preaching next week, but today I'm excited for you. If you need a jolt in your spiritual life, you bring Rob Wilton in to preach. And so Rob's going to preach for us this morning. Dr. Rob Wilton is a friend of mine. We got our doctorates together. Uh, He helped me have fun in the process. I made sure he got his homework done. It's kind of how that worked. And uh, he planted a church in New Orleans when he was going to seminary there. And you think, you know, we kind of journeyed and went from, you know, country club to movie theater, movie theater to here. They moved eight times in 13 years while they were there. And uh, God still... Uh, chased them down as they were moving around the city. 13 times. Oh, 13 times in eight years. I messed that up. It's even worse. And yeah, so we, we count all of them. Okay, okay. But uh, Rob, his family's here, so he's got some of his crew over here. I don't know if McCall's in, in the children's ministry, but he's got his boys over here. His lovely wife, Annabeth, is here with us. And this is one of the great things about Rob's life. He's one of those unique birds that didn't learn how hard it is to plant a church the first time. He's doing it again. And so they're planting a church in Pittsburgh. They're going to be moving there at the beginning of August and uh, planting the church there. Yeah, Pittsburgh, we got some Pittsburgh people here? All right, Pittsburgh folks, raise your hand. If you know anybody in Pittsburgh that needs Jesus, come see Rob after the service. And uh, he'd love to connect with you, for real. I, I mean that. He'll be down here in the front. And you, if you know some folks, he'll invite them to the church and bring them out. He also serves as the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints. And uh, who that? We got Saints fans? No, not really. You're a Cowboys fan. What are you doing? Just being well, hospitality? Hospitality. We love that. All right. Um, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stop rambling. I'm gonna pray for Rob, and uh, that God would open our hearts and that, that open Rob's lips to what he wants to say, say. Maybe God wants to say something different to us than he did the first service. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much uh, for Rob being able to be with us today. I pray. I pray for his church, uh, Vintage Church in Pittsburgh, that isn't meeting yet. But God, that you'd be paving the waves. You'd be tilling soil of hearts that are there in that city. People that would never have dreamed of going to church. I pray they come walking through the doors of that church. And I pray for Christians that are disenfranchised or de-churched or angry at the church or trying to do their own thing and be spiritual without the church. And, and God, I pray you draw them back into obedience to you. 
that you draw them to yourself and that you might use this church. And I pray for Rob this morning as he preaches to us. I pray you'd open our hearts and our minds and that you might speak a word in a way different than you ever have before, maybe a truth that we already know or maybe something we've never thought of with you. Will you take us to the next level in our spiritual journey, those of us who know you and those who don't know you? I pray that you'd save more people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles together to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, Pastor Scott is going to be hanging out in John chapter 4 next week, but this week we're going to get a little bit of ahead of ourselves here in John chapter 6. Um, it's one of my favorite passages as we continue this series called Encounters. Um, I truly believe um, when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. And today, I truly believe that today might be a day of salvation in your life. So get ready, get ready to hear from him, experience him, and leave this place changed by him. In just a few moments, I'm gonna invite you to give your life to Jesus. It's great being back at Southbridge Fellowship. I was here, I think a little over a year ago, uh, when Scott and I went through our doctoral work together. Uh, I think we roomed the very first class that we took together, we roomed together, and we knew we were a match made in heaven when uh, out of his mouth he was like, man, we gotta knock out these assignments. Out of my mouth was, I think there's a Dairy Queen down the road. <laughs> and uh, we were a match made in heaven. We were like, okay, we're gonna balance each other out through this whole process, and I'm just telling you, there ain't no way I would've gotten my doctorate without his phone calls reminding me that assignments were due. And uh, I'm not going to uh, affirm whether or not he wrote some of those projects or not, but uh, that's for another story and a lot of confession in my life. So um, John chapter 6 is an important passage of Scripture for me um, because the Lord brought me this passage uh, to kind of give me a gut check, honestly, in the middle of um, our journey in New Orleans. Uh, shortly after Hurricane Katrina, my wife and I were there in that city doing ministry with Upward Sports and uh, getting my seminary degree down in New Orleans. Um, Hurricane Katrina hit. And when Hurricane Katrina hit, we came back into the city, uh, was leading a camp uh, slash ministry that was helping people rebuild. And uh, my wife is a massage therapist, and it's awesome being married to a massage therapist. Can I just say that? Um, we started a Bible study after leading one of her coworkers to the Lord in our house. And uh, man, 10 years later, uh, just an amazing story of God's grace. But about halfway through, I wanted to quit. And, um, you know, being difficult, not my expectations, it's the not so big easy. Uh, New Orleans is tough. And the Lord brought me to this passage because, um, you know, that's what he does. How many of you guys would testify that the Lord has brought encouragement to you when you've needed it? Uh, or a challenge to you when you've needed it? That's why it's so important, guys. Don't roll out of bed and get into Facebook. Roll out of bed, get in the Word. Um, get in the Word because the Word's gonna feed your soul. It's gonna give you the very things that you need to accomplish the very things that he's called you to. And so John chapter six, um, I told uh, Scott when he shared with me on the series you guys have been doing and being in uh, the book of John, I said, man, I, I just, I've got a sermon that if I can just be honest, I need to preach again to myself. And so could I come and preach something to your church family that means a lot to me, uh, that I have preached before multiple times, but um, it's something timely that I need a, another reminder, because as Scott shared, my family and I are moving to plant another church in the city of Pittsburgh. And so um, let's look at this scripture together. I want to look, first of all, in John chapter 6, uh, verse 34 and 35. Um, contextually, Jesus is doing some amazing things here. You're going to read about that next week in John chapter 4. 
He's been healing, he's been performing uh, miracles, walking on water, multiplying a catfish po' boy to feed thousands of people. I mean, there's been some amazing things that have happened in this place. And now he starts to present to his disciples uh, about eternal bread. And, and he shares with them, the, the things that I want to give to you are so beyond this world or greater than this world. Do you know Southbridge Fellowship? We're not going through the motions here today. What we're doing is not just kind of rolling through some sort of event in this world. This is supernatural. And the words that Jesus wants to speak to us are, are beyond, greater than anything this world has to offer. Southbridge Fellowship, we don't offer the world the world. We offer the one who's greater than this world, who created the world, the one who is I am. And so um, he presents about this bread. And so what's the reaction of the disciples, his followers? Look at it in verse 34. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Doesn't matter where you go in life, whether it's Raleigh-Durham or it's uh, New Orleans or it's our new city, Pittsburgh. Everywhere I go in life, I find people who are searching for something that's greater than themselves or this world. And so Jesus kind of lays it out there for them. He whets their appetite. And what is their response? We want it. Break me off a piece of that. I need this bread. And so Jesus begins to explain in verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. One of his many I am statements. We did a series in New Orleans through the I am statements of Jesus. We called it Big Easy Jesus. I can't wait to do a Steel City Jesus series. And, um, and so we, we, we did this series and we looked at how Jesus took the very things that are in our cities. That's what he's doing here, bread. He's taking examples of everyday life and he's exposing divine truth about who he is. And so he's continuing that. He's teaching about how he is the bread of life. And then he gives to them not just information, but he offers to them transformation. Now see, that's too quiet for me. I'm just going to tell you, I will preach all day. I'm Baptist, but I'm more Bapticostal than I am Baptist. And I'm telling you, the more amens I hear, the shorter I'll go, I promise you. So, uh, I hear you, brother. That guy's got a reservation at a restaurant. And so, um, here, Jesus doesn't just offer information but he offers transformation, right? And so he says this, whoever comes to me, you wanna underline the word comes there. Because we're gonna not just hear something today, we're going to um, follow something today. We're not just gonna be talk, we wanna walk. And so underline this, whoever comes to me, Jesus declares what? shall not hunger. Whoever believes, underline the word believes, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The powerful words of Jesus. Um, now, let's talk about this, okay? So here's Jesus, and he presents the truth that what? He is the bread of life. Now, you want to take notes down. I, got, I see a lot of people taking notes. If you're not taking notes, can I just assure you of something? When you take notes in church, you look holier than your neighbor, and that's the point of church. <laughs> so you're failing if you're not taking notes. You don't look holy right now. Take notes. So here's some notes. How is Jesus the bread of life? Number one, we consider the source. 
Um, who is Jesus? Well, we consider the source. In the beginning was God, and God created all things. And then in John chapter 1, verse 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is not just man. He's God. And so we see the source here in this text. And when you go and look at the other scripture references that I've given to you there, I don't have time to break them all down, but you'll learn that this bread is divine, that it's from the Father. You'll learn that this bread is true. It says, my Father gives you true bread from heaven. You'll learn that this bread is life. Number two, we consider the storehouse. I want to assure you that as Jesus sees all the things that are going on in the world um, and something comes up that's of need in the world, Jesus never in heaven goes to the pantry and says, dang it, we got to go to Costco again. (laughs) He never runs out. Unlimited bread. And so we consider, why is he the bread of life and why are we always filled up by his bread is because his bread is divine, right? His bread is um, true. His bread is available to all. Number three, we consider that Jesus is the savior. How is he the bread of life? He is the savior. We know in John 1, 14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we know that this savior, this Jesus who came, who lived, who died, who defeated sin, death, and hell, offers to all who would come to him and who would believe in him eternal life. Here's how Jesus kind of wraps up his explanation of the truth that he is the bread of life. Look with me in John chapter six, verse 53. He shares with his disciples, not just remember this information, but he's now sharing them the opportunity for transformation. And so what he does is he kind of concludes everything that he's been talking about in regards to the truth that he's the bread of life. And he says this, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So this encounter, I've entitled our message today this. Are you sure you want him? We got to go last night with the Lair family and see y'all's new campus. And I think what's happened here between Covenant and Southbridge and the, the miracle of God, the partnership for no one's kingdom except God's kingdom is so exciting. And I truly believe the best is yet to come for this church family. But do you all understand that God has not blessed this partnership and this next season for this church just for any odd reason? 
I believe that although it looks exciting and you're about to go and there's going to be a property, no more set up, tear down, and the school's been so gracious and hospitable to be a, an amazing part of the kingdom of God here, um, this is not going to be easy. And God's going to be looking at you and calling to you to go to another level. He's going to be calling you not just to go and fix a property on a Saturday so that you can have a more comfortable seat and a better parking spot. No, he's calling you because what he's building is not some sort of, you know, country club. He's building a hospital. And he's building a lighthouse. And so there's going to be gut checks. Life is filled with are you sure moments, aren't there? I mean, just about every day for breakfast. I'll just be honest, during the first service, there was a breakfast biscuit right there. And the whole time I was preaching, I was, are you sure you, Rob, going to go and eat that biscuit while you preach? Because I was hungry and I saw the biscuit. We got decisions to make at restaurants. We got decisions in relationships. We got big decisions. My family um, has been in a big are you sure moment over the last really two years. Right as I wrapped up my doctorate, um, our church um, at the time was about eight years old. Uh, We had finally uh, merged with another church in town, similar to what's happening here. And uh, we had inherited their property. They had a building, no people. We had people, no building. We said, let's marry each other. The rest is history. So we had some fun together. And and so um, shortly after my my doctorate, completing that graduation, we also opened up our new building after all of our renovations. And I'm just telling you, Scott shared with you, we moved 13 times in eight years. I mean, this felt good. And as I got up to preach on the truth that Jesus will build his church, I got up, and most pastors in this moment, I'm not trying to be prophetic to Scott. Remember, we're different birds. Don't worry about it. This is not prophetically, unless Jesus calls them or whatever else. But for me, I stood up. And as I stood up to preach this message in the building, it's all finished, all that. Most pastors have been like, yes, you've arrived. Yes, we can chill. It's time to go. I said, uh-oh. And I want you to know, I know with all my heart, the Lord told me in that moment, the first sermon I preached when we opened that building, the Lord told me, you're finished here. And in my heart, I'm sitting here like, what? I mean, come on. Like, I got an eye twitch thing because, you know, we moved 13 times in eight years. Can I at least enjoy this? I mean, did you not see the green room, God? I'd love to have a green room just for a month. And God said, no, no, you're going to go. And so we went off on vacation. It took me like, you know, two months to get up the guts to even share with my wife. And I said, this is what's happening, stirring in my heart. Went back, processed with our pastoral team. And so at first we thought, okay, maybe it's um, the Lord's calling me because I like building things. I like expanding things. I don't like finishing anything. And, um, and so, uh, you know, the play that they needed to run in New Orleans it was starting to look too good. And so typically in those situations, I mess up just so I have something else to do. And they need to run a play of, of, of health and, and steadiness and faithfulness. And I'm a builder. I like going into new. So we started to say, okay, well, what about another campus in our city? And so we started to look at some opportunities. Door closed, door closed, door closed, door closed. And then we, we started to pray some more, and an opportunity came for me to be a pastor of a more traditional church downtown Orlando, Florida. At first, I said no. 
But then we started to do some things and, and pray through some things and they came back at me again. And so we started to pray. This church, downtown Orlando, Florida, owns $50 million worth of property downtown. The church had dwindled down and, and they invited me to come and basically replant the church. And so we started to go through the whole process and I was voted in unanimously as their next pastor. The plan was in that fall that I was going to finish up one more saint season and then our family was going to move in January and I was going to help our church transition in New Orleans and their pastor who was there was going to help. And I just want you to know that after I was voted in unanimously, after two weeks, Slim Shady showed up. They decided that I was more of a threat to their world. And I started to have more conversations about maintenance than mission. And so I started to ask the Lord, Lord, okay, um, if this is the enemy trying to, you know, move this off track, I'll persevere here. You've called me here, you've brought this, and so maybe I need to persevere. But the Lord began to reveal after some things happened and different things that actually that this assignment to Orlando was actually not about Orlando. It was about me being willing and open to take a leap of faith to follow God wherever he would call me to go. And as we began to unpack, and I talked with those leaders in that church, this is why I love covenant so much. They decided that they wanted to be more about their kingdom than God's kingdom. And for me to continue moving forward in maintenance instead of mission, I was actually going to be disobedient to the call of God on my life. And I refused to wait 10 years in a country club. And so I took a, a red eye through the night. I was with the New Orleans Saints in California. I flew through the night, met with the team that hired me, sent, handed in my resignation uh, letter, and we moved on. I'm just telling you, it got dark. I was confused. My wife and I, we didn't know what to do, but then the Lord started to show up. Doesn't he always show up? And he started to bring things our way. And, and I shared with you, I'm Baptist, but I'm ba more Baptist than Baptist, but I work with the North American Mission Board. And they're strategically planting churches in 32 North American cities. And the president of NAM came to me and said, um, Rob, I'd like for you to pray about, since you were going to move and go to Orlando and see God works all these things. He said, since you were willing to go to a city like that, right now, of 32 cities, the city that ranks last for us is the city of Pittsburgh. And we would love for you to pray about going there. So my wife and I began this journey of praying through that. And by God's grace, can I just tell you, we've answered the call. The Lord has started to bring some amazing things. And listen, I, I'm sitting here with amazing opportunities left and right. And a, a building has already come. And there's a possible merger already being talked about and, and different things like that. But I'm nervous as I'll get out, guys. Like, it's been hard leaving New Orleans. This is home for me. It was where I was born and raised. It's the only thing my kids know. And I never forget, I started asking the Lord, Lord, um, if you're calling me to another city, if you're calling me to, whether it's Orlando or whatever, would you answer and honor two prayer requests in my life? Would you allow, number one, this church to be in the healthiest place it's ever been in New Orleans as I leave? And secondly, would you give me the privilege of raising up the next generation of leaders? Do you know he answered those prayers? I'm just telling you, over that last little bit of time in New Orleans, we not only got to raise up the next lead pastor of the church. You know who it is? It's a guy who served with me for eight years. Two years before that, he came into my office and told me that God had said to him he would never be a lead pastor. <laughs> Those are always the guys that God calls, right? The guys that don't want it. I mean... I've hung out with Scott. This dude, he shouldn't be a pastor. 
And that's exactly who God uses. But I also had the privilege of raising three new pastors up. And my last Sunday in New Orleans, I got to preach in the morning on gospel multiplication. And everybody knew it was like our last Sunday. The place was packed. It hurt my feelings. It was like they were throwing a party that I was leaving. And that night we had an ordination service packed. And I got up to preach and listen at the end. It was unbelievable. Um, one of my favorite guys in the church who's a volunteer leader with our men's ministry, his name's Kirk. He comes down front. He's six foot seven, 300 plus pounds. When he walks up, you pay attention. And he comes up, he's like, Pastor Rob, I just want you to know this has been a difficult season. I've been really struggling. I was like, I know, Kirk, this has been tough. Please don't hit me. <laughs> Kirk looked at me, he said, but you know, I came this morning, I came kind of mad at you. And then you preached about how we got to keep going and gospel multiplication and, and how you're answering God's call. And then I see everybody so fired up about it. And then I came tonight to this ordination service, still a little bit angry. And then I see how excited everybody is to not just raise up new leaders here, but I know God's calling me to, to, to go to another level and how I'm going to serve with this church. But, but even you go in the city of Pittsburgh, and I know, Pastor Rob, because you tell us, you love New Orleans, and this is home for you. And I know this has got to be hard. And I know you're going through some doubts on this call of God. But I want you to know something, Pastor Rob. If it wasn't for you coming to the city of New Orleans 10 plus years ago to plant this church today I wouldn't know Jesus and I'd be divorced and God confronted me tonight he convicted me tonight that this is not about me that he's called you the city of Pittsburgh and that there's someone in Pittsburgh if God has called you who used to be like me that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus pastor Rob even if you've got doubts we're not letting you stay in New Orleans you're going to Pittsburgh <laughs> and I'm just telling you not just because he's six foot seven, 300 plus pounds, that I say, yes, sir. <laughs> it was what God did to affirm his call. So let me ask you a question here today. Everybody, are you sure you want him? Because look at me, I'm not talking about what we've packaged Jesus to become in our convenient Bible Belt Christianity. Some sort of genie in a bottle that you get to approach anytime you have something you want. Because when it comes to following Jesus, listen, um, Jesus isn't waiting for you to make him Lord. He is Lord. There might be like tons of need in Pittsburgh in regards to Southern Baptist work. There's like one Southern Baptist church for every 60,000 people. And, and the need is great. There's some great churches in the city of Pittsburgh, and I've been so just honored to, to come alongside those pastors who have been faithfully serving in that city. But the need is great. I'm not walking into that city to make Jesus Lord of that city. He's Lord of the city of Pittsburgh. And so what are you thinking? That, that you get you know, some sort of uh, dialogue with Jesus in regards to where you go and what you do. Now, Jesus is in the business of showing himself to you and declaring to you his words and then demanding from you truth and following him. Here in this text, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. 
In order for you to experience this bread of life, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Now, these were simple people. Anybody else a keep it simple, stupid kind of guy or girl? That's me. Um, they, they hadn't been to seminary. They don't really know what's going on. Remember, they've probably left their homes. They're following Jesus. Jesus is a wandering homeless man right now. And, and they're stretched, and there's miracles happening they don't know about. And now Jesus says, if you want a piece of me, you must eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. <laughs> I mean, spiritual cannibalism happening right here. So regardless, a number of things have culminated to this point, and it's not easy. The things that Jesus is presenting are not easy. And so let's read what happens. Look in verse 60. In John chapter 6, verse 60, it says this. When many of his disciples heard it, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? They're struggling. Now let me set the context. When it says disciples here, it's not just talking about the 12 disciples. At this point, because there have been so many amazing things, Jesus' hype has started to spread. You know, that's all over the Bible Belt. Jesus' hype. I mean, you're, you're here, but you're not really here. You're here because it's actually pretty popular to follow Jesus, even in Raleigh. You're here because you knew that maybe you could find a, a girl, girlfriend here if you'd lift up your hands in praise. You're kind of using Jesus for your advancement. And, and so what had happened in this point in time, a great many people started to follow Jesus, but they weren't surrendered. They were just on this Jesus ride. And so when it says disciples, I'm going to prove it to you in the text. I want us to picture over here near the drums a huge crowd of people. And then I want us to picture maybe over here towards the keyboard the 12 disciples. But when it says, when the disciples heard it, it's referring to the whole group. And the whole group, even the disciples in this moment, are struggling with what Jesus has just said. Continuing on in the story, verse 61. It says, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That means for those of you who have come here this morning, it's like, praise the Lord. The Lord knows if you're a fraud, it doesn't matter how much you do this. He knows. You, you can put on your church clothes and you can say, hey, brother, hey, sister, and all these other different things. He knows when you say, hey, brother, hey, sister, when your heart is saying, I hate you. He knows. You can hide from, you know, mama. You can hide from your pastor. You can't hide from Jesus. And he knew who was in this crowd. They didn't even have to say anything. But Jesus looked at them, and what does he say? Oh, I'm so sorry that your feelings are hurt. What can we do to take care of you? Would you like a latte? Is that in your scripture? No, not my translation either. Um, what does he say? Do you take offense at this? I mean, this is not the Jesus that we paint on walls in churches, right? Where it's like long blonde hair. He's had a mani and petty. He's frolicking through the field, you know, singing some psalms. This is not, this is UFC fighter Jesus. 
Like, he's coming down, he's throwing a smack down, and he's like, do you take offense at this? My dad, he's from South Africa, he was a rugby and cricket coach, he was a tank commander in the South African army, now he's a pastor, you know I got whooped as a kid. <laughs> and uh, my dad would always, if I had a little pity party or whatever, he'd say, what seems to be your problem? I feel like Jesus right now is looking at the disciples, and he's like, what seems to be your problem? Oh, you're grumbling about this. What seems to be? Do you take offense at this? And then he goes to elaborate because Jesus is kind. Sometimes he gives us hard words, but sometimes he cares for us. Anybody thankful that he cares for us? So he starts to explain a little more. He doesn't just say deal with it. And so he goes on. Look at verse 62. He goes, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He's prophesying. And then he begins to explain, listen, I know you're struggling with this, but the reason why you're struggling with this is because you're coming at me from a worldly perspective. You're trying to take my teachings and keep them in your box. I'm telling you that what I present to you is nothing like you've ever heard before. What I'm coming to do is greater than anything that you have access to at this point. And so he declares it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. He says the words that I have spoken to you are of spirit and life. Southbridge Fellowship, we offer to the world not Southbridge Fellowship, not Pastor Scott. And may I submit to you that if that is the mission here, the mission is for the world to know Southbridge Fellowship more than Jesus, you're failing and shut it down. What this city needs, what this world needs is Jesus. Jesus shares spirit and life and he declares his sovereignty over all that maybe are just in the crowd having fun with Jesus but aren't for him. He says in verse 64, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why in verse 65, I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And then something here happens that's surreal. And very quickly, guys, when we read scripture, especially those of us who are good Christians, we kind of go into this passage right now. And we're like, I can't believe they did that. I always try and discipline myself to say, no, I've been doing that. How many times because of a little bit of doubt? because I didn't understand everything that God was doing, because I was confused, because there was persecution, did I now walk away? It says here in this moment, in verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And if I can just confess to you, especially in the United States of America, I really believe with all my heart that before we're going to really experience revival in our country, we're going to probably need to see more of a backdoor revival than a front door. Because I've just ministered for the last 13 years in the city of New Orleans. And in the city of New Orleans, you'll find a lot of people that don't want anything to do with Jesus. And it's not because of Jesus. It's because they met people who talked a good game about Jesus but didn't walk it. And Jesus is looking at everybody right now. He's looking at you and me and he's commanding us to give him our all. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. 
There's no such thing as convenient Christianity. This life is not your own. This world is not your home. He is Lord. He is Savior. And so a great many people turned back and no longer walked with him. Now, if I can just keep it real. And this is pastoral confession time. And so let this just be my time. i got to get some things out. But in this moment right now, I'm freaking out. If, if the large crowd of disciples leave and there's only the 12, so let's just say it was 100 people. It was a lot more than that. But let's say it was 100 people. If 88 people in my congregation leave, and the only ones that I'm left with are the 12, I'm going to turn to the 12, and I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to say, what can I do to keep you here? I mean, because I need you in my life. Do you want a latte? Can we figure out how to put massage things in your chairs while I'm preaching? Am I preaching loud enough or do I need to tone it down a little bit? Do we need to get a little more charismatic or do we need to be frozen chosen? What needs to happen right now? What needs to happen to keep you around me because I'm way more justified by your presence in my life than God's call? Remember, I'm talking about myself and my issues, not Pastor Scott. This is not about him. <laughs> we all deal with this because we're in our flesh. But what does Jesus do? He turns to the 12. And does he give them a pass? Does he say, you've been the chairman of deacons forever. You get a pass. You gave the most money so that we could buy our new campus. You get a pass. Oh, you've been generationally part of this church. You're the pastor. You get a pass. No. He turns to the 12, and what does he say? Do you want to go away as well? Say, what? Can you just imagine the disciples? They're like, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I've thrown down my nets. I followed you. Why am I getting confronted again? Jesus wants us to die daily. Every single day is an opportunity. And he never demands, you know, just give me four days. He wants it all. There's no such thing as now it's my church time, now it's me time. He wants it all. Well, Jesus, um, that is yours. Don't mess with my car. Don't mess with my career. He wants it all. And so he turns to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And our boy Simon Peter answers. Any Simon Peter fans in the house? <laughs> I love Simon Peter. What a loser. Like I'm just, I can relate to losers. I mean, John's like so smart, wrote Revelation, almost perfect. Him and Scott will hang out in heaven. Me, I'm hanging out with Simon Peter. And me and Peter, we're going to be boys. I also, like, I'm just telling you, I love to eat, okay? My nickname's Fat Rob. I just love to throw down food. I've got an alter ego. His name's Travel Rob. He doesn't know how to stop eating. And so, like, I just love food. Um, scripturally, and I know some of you are like, I don't know about this, but I'm just telling you, in Scripture, I believe Peter was a heavy fella. You want me to tell you how I know that? When the tomb was empty... It says in the text that the disciples ran to the tomb. It said that Peter took off first, but John beat him there. I'm, I'm just, I don't know why I said that. Let's go back to Simon Peter, my boy. Simon Peter answers God, and he answers Jesus, and of everything that he messes up with, 
Here he gets it right. That gives me hope. Gives me hope. Because God's in the business of doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I don't know if your life's been a testimony of that, that God's used you despite you. And here Simon Peter rises up and he answers the Lord. Look what he says, verse 68, as we start to close. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, when I've heard some preachers preach this text, this is the time uh, that they get their preacher voice uh, going. uh, And they say that Peter came to this moment uh, and he looked at Jesus. uh, And he looked at Jesus with the confidence in his heart. uh, And he looked at him and he said, Lord, uh, to whom uh, shall we go? Uh, I don't see it that way. I'm not calling those pastors heretics, but that's not how I see it. Peter, number one, does he get much right? This is Peter. Let's set the stage. The great many disciples are where? Gone. Peer pressure is not just for middle schoolers. Some of you, my sweet saints, who are 65, 66, you're following, unfortunately, an American trend with your retirement years right now. And you're deciding to indulge more in your kingdom right now than his. Peer pressure's all the time at any moment. The large crowd leaves Jesus. Peter's probably stretched right now. He's like, I don't know, there's like my best friend growing up. He's gone. Like there, she's gone? Can you can you picture it? And and as they're going, he's sitting here like, well, Jesus ain't gonna be talking to us. And then Jesus turns to Peter in the 12. He says, You want to go away as well? In the King James Version, it's good to quote the King James every now and then. In the King James Version, it says, Will ye also go away? Say ye every now and then, it makes you sound smarter. And so Jesus turns to them and says, you want to go away as well? So can you just picture it? Here's Peter. The crowd's gone. He's probably like, man, look, I love what you've been doing, Jesus. The walking on water thing, awesome. The catfish po' boy thing, I love to eat. Got a couple in my back pocket. Thanks for that. Um, You know, all this stuff. The eat of your flesh, drink of your blood. John, you're smarter than everyone here. Do you know what he's talking about? John, you don't know what he's talking about? There ain't no way. I got a chance to figure this out. So right now, Peter's confused. He's struggling. He's stretched. It's not so clean cut. It's not so put together. He doesn't know where he's going next. All that kind of stuff. Anyone in the house confused? Anyone else a little bit like would confess they've got doubt? Man, they're struggling. They don't know what's going on. They've gone through some persecution. And then Peter responds. And here's what's so phenomenal about this text. Look at me. He responds with the very thing that Jesus commanded him to respond with. He doesn't respond with religion and a bunch of, look what I'll do for you, God, all this kind of stuff. He responds in faith. 
For the gospel is not you can and you will. The gospel is you can't, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, now you can. And so Jesus had told them earlier to do what? Come and believe. Look in the text. This is what Jesus commands of us. Come and believe. In John chapter 6, verse 35, earlier, it said that Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What does Peter say to Jesus? Look with me. John chapter 6, 68 and 69, Simon Peter answered him. Now remember, filled with doubt, confusion, being stretched. He ain't slamming pulpits right now. He's like you and me. My wife and I, if I can just tell you, we need your prayers. Ten years ago when we planted a church in New Orleans, only my mama was watching I've got a lot more eyes on me and even a church in New Orleans and you guys are partnering with us. I'm so thankful for all this, but I'm feeling weight right now. You know why I'm feeling weight? I know how much grace played a role the last 10 years. (laughs) I know how many whiteboard sessions I had that didn't work out. I'm no expert or whatever else. I'm a desperate sinner in need of God's grace. And I just pray he shows up for us in Pittsburgh like he did in New Orleans. I'm thankful that I get to plan, I get to water, but God gives the growth. And here in this moment, Peter responds in faith. The only thing I offer Pittsburgh is my faith in Jesus. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And there it is. He's responding with what Jesus told him to respond with. We have believed. Everybody say believed. Believed. And we have believed. Come, everybody say come, Come. to know that you are the Holy One of God. Are you sure you want him? Every head bowed and every eye closed as we close today. Are you sure you want him? I want to be very direct in this invitation time. There's going to be other invitations, and God's invitation is always But in this moment right now, I want to pray for salvation in someone's life. And I want to believe in this moment, much like we had two pray to receive Christ this morning as their Lord and Savior. I've got to believe that there's someone here today, that today is a day of salvation. So will you give your life to Jesus? Will you give your life to Jesus? He came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell, and he offers to all who would eat of his flesh, drink of his blood, eternal life. God's word says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Stop buying the lie. You gotta fix yourself and then come to Jesus. No, you come and believe just as you are. When I think about this scripture here, I think about the crowd that missed out. Don't miss out. For if you would say yes to Jesus, the life that he's gonna bring you to is a life that's greater than this world. And he wants to do abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. He wants to transform the generations that are after you and your family. He wants to use you all over this city and to the ends of the earth, to Madagascar and back. So if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Rob, for the first time in my life right now, the Lord has spoken to me 
and I place my faith and trust in him. I give my life to Jesus boldly with every head bowed, every eye closed, boldly lift up your hand. Come on, give your life to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. I've seen three hands right now. Keep those hands up if you've raised them. Praise the Lord. Four hands, five hands. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Come on. Praise the Lord. I love you, buddy. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. I see you, my friend, in the middle. Salvation is here, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put your, your hands down. Everybody look at me. One of our pastors is going to come up and share with you next steps at the end of our gathering. Listen, Satan wants to squash what's happened in some of your lives, especially those of you who have given your life to Christ. Reach out to someone in this faith community. I think Southbridge Fellowship is one of the greatest churches in all the world. And I love your pastor. I love this team. And I'm so excited about what God's doing. Join the party. Take a next step. And hopefully in the not too distant future, you'll be baptized and celebrated. At the end of the day, leaving those, those of you who know Jesus right now, remember that question, are you sure you want him? Comes every day. This move to the other campus, are you sure you want him? Where do you need to go next level? You're at this level giving right now, go to that level. You're at this level volunteering, go to that level. You have a beautiful home, open it up for a Bible study. Keep going, open yourself, stretch yourself and tap into the goodness of serving God. For there is nothing greater to give Jesus our all. Let's stand together and let's worship. and Let's answer, are you sure you want him with a resounding yes?